0: the Pixar character that I would want to be nicknamed as. Would
1: you want to be nicknamed Buzz Lightyear? That's the first question. That uh, seems weird to me.
0: It's not, it's like a mouthful.
1: Um. It also just like, I feel like the biggest thing known about him is that he's a space ranger The thinks he, he thinks he's a space ranger, but he's a toy.
0: Yeah. Well, I, like I saw a good comparison. Peyton was the sheriff. So Woody. Yeah. So Drew Locke, Buzz Lightyear. Um, I like it. I love the pew 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 yeah. uh, from the wristband. Um,
1: I mean, obviously, top is Mister Incredible would be like pretty, yeah. pretty easy to be like. That's a good one.
0: Um, who was the the name? Of, what was the name of the turtle in Finding Nemo? Crush, crush the turtle. Yeah, actually, there we go. <laughs> That's exactly who I'd want to
1: be. That's a good one. I could see just being sadness, and then just having a picture of sadness being a bad one. <laughs> or,
0: like, or Nuggets fan. Yeah, Both of those Nuggets fan.
1: She always wears blue, <laughs> like it works out. In all of their iterations, there's some blue. <laughs> <laughs> just
0: pure sadness.
1: Well, welcome to
0: the Dinverse.
1: I'm Derek. <laughs> this is Quinn. And we are back for another exciting week. A very full week of things happened. Yeah. I mean, all of the teams had exciting things happen. Um... And I guess that means that we need to get into our seven-minute recap of the week. Yeah, buddy. And this is, of course, the longest seven-minute recap in Denver sports. And we're going to start with something that we mentioned last week, last Wednesday. This is recording on Wednesday. Mike Bobo and CSU parted ways last week, and that is the top of how well this story has gone. <laughs> Since then, they've brought in Urban Meyer as a consultant to try to find the next coach. And if you'll remember, Urban Meyer was suspended from Ohio State for his handling of a domestic abuse allegation. And then he retired after how poorly that went all around. I mean, CU had the exact same thing happen to them. At least Ohio State suspended Meyer for three games. Yeah. CU didn't yeah. do that. Um, and then he interviewed three of his own assistants and Butch Jones... Who, I don't know if you, does that name ring a bell to Butch you? Jones,
0: uh, Tennessee, right?
1: Yeah. Which is a cursed space. And I don't know if you remember, but he was almost CU's coach when they hired McIntyre. He was brought onto campus, and he's most famous for hiding behind a food cart so that the media could not see him because Cincinnati didn't know he was there. There was a handshake agreement between the two of them, and then Tennessee called and he left. So, to CU fans, Butch Jones is the greatest hire that CSU could make. (laughs) And apparently they were working on a deal and something fell apart there again.
0: Well, clearly he's a high-integrity guy with a good track record of winning. um, I think tanking two or three Tennessee teams in his
1: tenure. And speaking of high-quality guys, they also have apparently talked to Kevin Wilson, who is a former Indiana coach who was let go for creating a hostile environment and being abusive at the locker room. (laughs) And then also Tony Alford, former CSU running back. Although their AD said that the guy needed to have head coaching experience. Cool. So as of this recording, we do not know who it is, but just wanted to get our CSU coaching (laughs) search in there.
0: Yeah. I mean, which has been the marquee story of the week for sure. (laughs) Um, Well, God bless you for Collins.
1: The Avs walked into Toronto, played a competitive game, and ended up winning 3-1. to The tie was broken in the third period by none other than Valerie Nachushkin, who, as of this recording, has five goals.
0: And as of going back to, what, two, three weeks ago? Um, had no goals since 2016. Yes, and uh, Derek, you freaking soothsayer, are you? You've...
1: He had a great goal in the Calgary game on Monday where he was standing in front of the net And he sort of leaned his whole body. He's a big guy and got the puck around the goalie in a way where you're just like, how is this guy not a 40-goal scorer? Like, that was an incredible play. Um, He actually was a top 10 pick of the Dallas Stars. And I'm just wondering, what did the Stars do to this guy?
0: Well, Stars seem to be striking out in a couple places recently.
1: Yes, we will get to um, their other big news of the week from the Stars a little bit later on. Um, On Thursday, the Avs also played the Montreal Canadiens in the return of captain Gabe Gabe Landeskog. He scored a goal, and the Avs scored the first three goals and then did the thing that all NHL teams do, nothing, the rest (laughs) of the game, and held on for a 3-2 win. Mm, mm. Uh, The Nuggets beat the Knicks, 129-92. Um... It caused the Knicks to fire David Fisdale and the Nuggets to get so excited that, as you'll see, it didn't go well the rest of the week.
0: Yeah, but I mean, that's like anything that happens in Madison Square Garden is officially like a big deal. And I think that was the third worst loss that the Knicks have had inside the Garden. So shout out to the Nuggets for that.
1: Um, on Friday night the Nuggets lost one oh eight ninety five to Boston. Um I tried to not watch that game. It was on where I was uh where I was that night and I just turned around so I couldn't have I watch. was
0: uh working an event and there was an active shooter across the street and it was way more interesting watching that than the game.
1: Jokic did have thirty points in that game and that has been the one positive of this losing streak is Jokic has played well in all yeah, three games. Yeah, on Saturday night, the Avs rolled over the Boston Bruins 4-1. It was, the Bos- it was Boston's first home regulation loss of the year and a dominant performance by the Avs. The Boston Bruins, considered by many to be the best team in hockey, just really weren't with it with the Avs. All seemed great, um, including Burakovsky got his 12th goal of the year in, in his 26th game. The last three years before this, Burakovsky scored 12 goals in each of those three seasons. So he has tied his goal mark for the last three seasons in 26 games.
0: Wow. Does that mean that they should just like put him at the end of all the rotations now? Um, I
1: guess it's over. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Unfortunately in this game, both Philip Grubauer and Kale McCarr were hurt and that was disappointing. Um, Really, both you know were big losses, but McCarr had been healthy for the whole injury streak. Landis God came back. It felt like everyone was basically healthy except for Eric Johnson, and now we're right back where we started. And
0: McCarr, it's going to be a little while, yeah.
1: Yes, he's definitely not playing uh, tonight's game. Or it's Wednesday night, maybe this weekend. Mm. So, Because well, he took a
0: hard check into the wall. Yeah, it was one of those weird
1: ones. It was Brad Marchand, who's known for being a dirty player. Oh, it was yep. not a dirty check. But he hit Makar. Makar's head didn't hit anything, and then Makar was shaking his head. But we think it was a shoulder injury. Mm. Listed only as an upper, upper body, body injury. So, um, Also, the CU Buffs lost to the second-ranked Kansas Jayhawks, 72-58. Uh, to 58. It was CU's first loss of the year, and it dropped them from 20th to 24th in the ra- rankings. I didn't have a huge problem with this loss because it was not Lawrence second-ranked team in the country, but neither McKinley Wright or Tyler Bay played very well. So mm-hmm. that was frustrating. Um, and then Sunday happened. And
0: Sunday, Sunday, Sunday.
1: The Denver Broncos defeated the Houston Texans 38-24. to
0: And that's a very generous 24.
1: Yes, it was uh, – they were trying to do everything just to get it close. Yeah. Locke, in his second start, got the win and finished – 22 of 27 for 309 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception, and only had one bad throw the entire game. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it was incredible to watch.
0: It was beautiful. The play calling, the execution, it was all there. It really looked like uh, Houston was like, okay, we'll just shut down Sutton. There won't be any more weapons. And then everybody stepped up in amazing ways.
1: Yeah, they had 10 receivers have catches in that game. And Tim Patrick looked like he's a real receiver again, mm-hmm. which was exciting to see. The run running game wasn't even that good. Houston outran them and they still just rolled over the Texans. It was a lot of fun to watch and we'll talk more about Drew Locke, but uh enjoyed all around and as we mentioned in the opening, um he pretended to be Buzz Lightyear because people had been making fun of how often he was looking at his wrist at the play call. <laughs> And the best joke I saw was a picture of Buzz Lightyear and Drew Locke both looking at their wrist thing, and it said, no signs of intelligent life in Houston.
0: <laughs> it's, uh, oh, yeah, dissing Houston. It was great. <laughs> he, he just, he looked like he had fun, too, and that's something that you just haven't seen from any of the slew of mopey, untalented quarterbacks we've had recently.
1: <laughs> um, also, the Nuggets lost to the Brooklyn Nets, 105-102. Uh, Dinwiddie, Spencer Dinwiddie, former CU Buff, had 24 points and really dominated the Nuggets, especially late.
0: Yeah, Um, Nuggets just, they looked tired and slow, and um, being the best defensive team in the league, uh, you'd have no idea just given by how lost they looked.
1: I completely get why... He's not on the Nuggets. And I completely understand why they didn't draft him. Dan Whitty? Yes. But he has been available multiple times. And the Nuggets had him right up the street. Like, if anyone knows how good Dan can be, it's Denver. I know they don't have room. I know none of it makes sense. But it's just hard yeah. to just, like, watch him be as good as we thought he could be in college. Now yeah. do it for the Nets, who don't need him. Because eventually they're going to have two all-stars on that team.
0: He'll be good, but he's been better without Kyrie. Like, yeah, the, the Nets have been better without Kyrie with Spencer Dinwiddie um, starting.
1: Jokic had 24 points and 11 assists, and Murray had 21 points. Um, so that again, positive, just nothing else seems to be working. Yeah, and I mean, we covered it a lot last week, and we still have some gripes we'll get to later in the show. <laughs> um, on Monday night, the Avs finally returned home on a six game winning streak and lost to the Flames 5-4 in overtime, but they still got that one point. They were down 4-2, to and then Nathan McKinnon entered angry Hulk mode and just took over the game. He had the fastest no-look pass I've ever seen in hockey. He was going right down the middle. Suddenly the puck was over to Donskoi, and he scored. Great pass. Mm. Uh, fun game. I was there, but it um, did end their winning streak. Really, I mean... They won all those games on the road. They have a great road record. They're going to lose every now and then. They still got the point. Um, uh, Franso played in goal, and he was okay. Um, Also, people have started calling him Fransoos again. The PA announcer was calling him Fransoos. Others have called him Fransoos. So, I don't know. I like Fransoos better, because then he can be Dr. (laughs) Fransoos. Better nickname. Yeah, yeah,
0: you're absolutely right. <laughs> I, I had a lot of emotions about a thing that I just learned about. Uh, <laughs> you convinced me yes. in this um, six second period. But
1: I've been saying François for so long. And I think it's actually François. Like, there's an François. S, but a, like, not hard. I don't know.
0: Well, I given that I took uh, French in community college, I believe that <laughs> François would be the more um, common pronunciation. Yes. But he's, like, Canadian. Isn't he, like, Quebecois?
1: I don't think I think he's finished. <laughs> Let me look. Well,
0: that blows it out the water. I know. Um, um, well, this is the period in our seven-minute recap where we spend too much time on a backup goalie <laughs> for the Avs.
1: Well, right now he's the main goalie. Yeah. Well, he's Czech. I feel really bad. Czech. I knew uh, that.
0: Uh, well, I think we actually mentioned that before. Yes.
1: So in check. Apparently, it might be Franz Seuss now.
0: Okay. That's, yeah, that sounds right.
1: Um, and then last night. The Nuggets lost to the 76ers, 97-92. Really, Nuggets had to come back to make it 97-92. Yeah. Jamal Murray's hurt.
0: With a... I saw diagnosed diagnosed um, yesterday with a trunk contusion, um, which is interesting because I don't know what either of those things mean separately and especially together. <laughs> um, but doesn't sound fun.
1: No. Uh, Barton was really good in the game. He's... He continues to be, like, the best surprise of the first half of the season. Yeah,
0: but, I mean, it's the same thing that happened uh, against the Kings a couple weeks ago where Gary Harris started the game super hot, like, scored 20 points in the first quarter, and I think Barton scored 15 to 20 in the mm-hmm. first quarter, and then just didn't get the ball enough for the rest of the game. Because like, There's no reason we don't have a 30-point scorer. We have one 30-point scorer so far this season. Um, and, and if, that
1: was Jokic. Yeah, but if you
0: come out that hot, like the the game plan should be focused on keeping you hot.
1: Uh, it was their third loss in a row, and they now drop to fourteen and eight, which is pretty mediocre in the Western Conference.
0: It certainly is not going to get you, um, beating the Lakers, the Clippers, the Mavericks, um, and even the Trailblazers with a resurgence with Melo. They're not far behind at this point.
1: No, and the Trailblazers do come into Pepsi Center Thursday night. Oh, yeah. Um, 830 start, I'm guessing, on national TV. So everyone can watch it. Watch Mello's return to Denver again, this time on the villainous Portland Trailblazers.
0: I'm going to make a request to the Nuggets Nation. Just don't boo Mello. There's no reason to. Boo Rodney Hood. And Zach Collins, even though he's not playing. And Nurkic, <laughs> But just, Melo does not deserve booze. I'm so happy that he's back. He just won not.
1: Player of the Week.
0: He won Player of the Week. It was a sham, but <laughs> I was happy to see it.
1: Um, At the winter meetings, uh, Rockies GM Jeff Breidich made an announcement that the Rockies are in play in a market. Do you want to guess what that market is?
0: want to guess. I'm going to say... Catcher because they never make big moves.
1: Yes, backup catcher. Backup they catcher, are the in backup the catcher. The market for a backup catcher. <laughs> and CU lost to Northern Iowa 79 76 at home. Uh, Lucas Siewert, the senior, had one of his best games as a buff, having 29, 21 points, including some big threes. The loss will knock CU out of the rankings and puts added pressure on them to beat CSU and Fort Collins on Friday night um disappointing one it's put a lot of pressure on them because now they really need to win the csu game and they're playing dayton in chicago and that's going to be a much bigger game um around christmas it's just
0: so interesting in college basketball how like a team like dayton or northern iowa is better than you
1: (laughs) yeah and i mean northern iowa I sort of forgot this, and then I saw them, and I was like, oh, I know these guys. Yeah. They've, like, made the Sweet 16, at least, if not the Elite Eight.
0: Yeah, they were, like, uh, the Darlings one tournament, like, I think right after Butler.
1: Yeah. Um. Also, this weekend, or the rest of the week, the Broncos played the Chiefs on Sunday in Arrowhead, mm-hmm. Drew Locke's biggest test. The Avs are hosting the Flyers and Devils at home, and that Devils game on Friday night has added importance, because they are currently rumored to be trying to trade for taylor hall the star devils forward who beat nathan mckinnon out um but shouldn't have for the mvp vote two Mm -hmm. years ago so that is a big thing to watch
0: yeah and that's awesome because i think it's more an audition for taylor hall than it is for the avs i think like the avs are a known quantity you want to play with us like now taylor hall has to prove make it valuable make it worth it
1: yeah and it always helps when everyone's in the same building so who knows what team taylor hall will be on come friday friday night i know that'd be cool (laughs) uh and they're also playing in st louis on monday currently the abs are one point behind st louis for first place in the central division which Hmm. seemed an impossibility a week ago um the denver nuggets are beginning their five game homestand we mentioned portland They're also playing the Thunder, the Knicks, the Magic, and the Timberwolves. All the ingredients they need to get back on track. Yeah, yeah. So that is uh, this week in Denver sports.
0: Yeah, 15-minute, 7-minute recap.
1: So we have a few topics to get into uh, the rest of the show. The first one I wanted to talk about is the madness that has been NHL coaching and the NHL coaches, which just got even worse today. Yeah,
0: please enlighten me on this and sordid saga.
1: When I decided I was gonna, uh, we were going to talk about this, I did not know about the other stuff that was going to get added. Um, but a few weeks ago, the Toronto Maple Leafs fired Mike Babcock. And when he was fired, a bunch of stories started coming out about how he was abusive to players, like yelling at them, and everyone hated him. I'm um, including this very weird story that he asked a rookie on the Toronto Maple Leafs to rate the effort of other players on the team and say who the laziest player was and he said uh, it was Mitch Marner who's still on the uh Maple Leafs. He said Nazem Kadri, Kurt Colorado Avalanche and then Babcock went and told Kadri like Marner thinks you're the laziest player on the team. <laughs> um and the people that came out against Babcock went all the back way back to his Detroit Red Wings days when he won a Stanley Cup, including one player that said that his coaching actually cost them a Stanley Cup instead of uh, the oh, giving wow. him credit for the one they won. Also, just a fun note on all this, the Red Wings have currently lost 12 games in a row. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was the first domino. And then enter Akeem Alou, who's going to also be the end of our story and he talked to someone who said and told them that when he was playing in the minor leagues, um, he had bill Peters, who was the coach of the Calgary flames a few weeks ago, um, as his coach. And, uh, Peters used, uh, racial slurs against him and especially against his music and the type of music that he listens to.
0: Oh, I thought he was like calling him a bad rapper. So, uh, Alu is of Nigerian descent, correct?
1: Yeah. Um, And so that came out, and then it came out that when Peters was the coach of the Hurricanes, he would, like, beat up players on the bench, like, hit them and kick them, which was confirmed by current Hurricanes coach Rod Brindamore, who was on the bench during this happened. And through Ron Francis, who's going to be the GM of the Seattle hockey team under the bus, and said, Ron knew about it. We told him. Um, So that was ugly. (laughs) I'm still just, like, thrown
0: off by who beats up hockey players? That just seems like if there's any sport, the relationship would not exist for fear of being murdered yourself would be in hockey.
1: Yes. Well, apparently it's common cause we're going to get more of it. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, Bill Peters got fired by the flames. Then former Colorado avalanche coach, Mark Crawford was named. He was serving as the coach of uh, an assistant coach in Chicago by noted NHL villain, player sean avery who said that mark crawford one time kicked him on the bench so hard that it left a mark and so crawford has been suspended by the blackhawks but the thing about mark crawford is he was also the coach in vancouver who called for steve moore to get beaten up by bertuzzi Bertuzzi. (sighs) and he never should have been coaching again like that should have been the end of his coaching career but he's like an old school hockey player or old school hockey guy. Mm -hmm. And this, I mean, all of this goes back to there are serious problems in the NHL and their culture. It's too old and it's too white. And the players don't feel like they have a voice. There have been people following the story who say that the other big problem is how much this is happening at lower levels of hockey. So not only in the minors, but in the juniors, which in Canada works like you go away and stay with a family and have a coach and your parents aren't there. Like, that's how it works in Canada. Mm. So these kids are in vulnerable situations having to deal with these abusive environments.
0: Yeah, and, like, you'd have way less leverage because if you've made it to the NHL, you could probably raise your voice and you have, like, money and influence. Whereas yeah. if you're still fighting up through the ranks and you're somewhere in northern Manitoba, that's – so, like, do you think this is as big – I don't even think you're done here. But um, as is this, like, as big a scandal as, like, Bounty Gate?
1: I think – I'm hoping it will lead to more changes in Bounty Gate. I don't – like, it's awful, and we need to change, like, what a good coach is. I mean, even thinking about Patrick Waugh when he was here, like, you know, it was great when he knocked over the partition. And you compare that to Jared Bednar, who – the most upset I've ever seen him is he kind of just gets this, like, disgruntled tone (laughs) and is very disapproving, which I think is good. Like, I think we need more coaches like that. If the coach is the most even-keeled person on your team, that's a huge change. So all of this happened. The NHL Board of Governors is meeting, and the NHL released a statement that said, if we find out that anybody is uh, hiding any of these allegations and doesn't come forward and tell us and the Players Association, there are going to be heavy consequences. Mm. And then, seemingly unrelated, the Dallas Stars fired former DU Pioneer head coach Mike Montgomery or Jim Montgomery. And the explanation for why he was fired was that it was conduct that was not in line with the standards and ethics of the stars organization or the NHL. It had nothing to do with anyone in the stars organization. Mm -hmm. And we are left to wonder what exactly did Jim Montgomery do? The stars were playing really well and nobody knows. Like we're twenty. Hours more than 24 hours away from the story, no one knows,
0: and just like unprofessional conduct against the standards and yeah, ethics, ethics. are like yeah,
1: Eesh. um, so that's weird, like really weird,
0: also really weird because I mean, it means it's not like a crime that would then get reported on, like that's all stuff that would be out of the team's hands because that'd be a police report, so it's something. That is very foul and shady, but not necessarily a crime.
1: And apparently, the stars didn't really want to fire him, but didn't really have a choice. Like it was like, a, whatever he did was so bad they had to. He did do a radio interview where the hosts were kind of obscene, but like, and he kind of like laughed along with it. But it wasn't that like it wasn't fireable. It was like a that was poor judgment uh-huh some people have suggested maybe gambling Oh! Um, i there's a there's a way that you could frame this where maybe there was some relationship he had that wasn't technically with someone in the organization um so that's where we are right now um and then the uh sort of book end of the story um bringing it back to the local level. yeah akima uh talked about all of the scandals and disrespect that he faced in a, a new article that came out in the Wall Street Journal today and the thing about Alou was he was a high prospect who was seen as a difficult player bounced around the minor leagues and never really had an NHL career and it feels like that what that really meant was he was getting in these situations that he didn't want to be in because People were treating him terribly and then getting traded. And one of those stops was back in 2011, the Colorado Eagles hosted a Halloween party. He was told to show up late for the party, and when he showed up, a staff member was dressed in blackface and an Alou jersey and was dressed as him for Halloween.
0: Great, just... All the time and planning that it goes in to do something completely stupid like that is just what always amazes me.
1: Well, and just the fact that, you know, everyone on the team sort of knew about it. The Eagles say they didn't know about it, which could or could not be true. They did uh, put that staff member on leave and issue an apology to Alou. But again, just another bad look for the least diverse league in North America.
0: Well, um, NHL, I'm a new fan to (laughs) – a a new, more committed fan, also a black man. Um, So I'm just asking you all, don't do that. It would make it a lot easier to root for you if you just don't do that. And as a human being, stop beating your players. It's all around an unfavorable choice to make.
1: I feel like that's a good good way to end it. Thank you. Yes. Um, All of the discussion in Denver this week has been have – the Broncos found the second coming of John Elway. Like basically that's the level of conversation we've had this week. Mm -hmm. Not just like the next guy that we could have for the first few years. I've heard people say they might be set for the next 15 years at quarterback, which could only mean one guy, the next John Elway. Yeah. So instead of us just debating what, whether Drew Locke is the guy or not, I think it's too early. He's had two games. Trevor Simeon had two great, runs he won his first two games both of his first two seasons Mm -hmm. the second time people were calling for him to get a lifetime contract yeah
0: just really like throw all the money at that
1: so i've written down some things that i think make are like like key to being a great nfl quarterback and i figured Mm -hmm. we could talk about like what drew lock needs to do for each of those okay um so the first one and the thing about being an nfl quarterback is it's not just being able to throw and it's i think probably the hardest position in sports for this reason Um, you have to be the leader of the team by default. Like he's just now the leader of the team. If he's going to continue to be the guy and he's one of the younger players on the team, like just got out of college. So I think so far from what we've seen by drew Locke, he is definitely up to that challenge. He has not shied away from the media. He's taken some steps where he has overruled the coaching staff in some instances to call plays. So where do you think he is on the leading the team role?
0: I mean, I've, was really impressed uh, by yeah, the couple of interviews he's done already. I think like well he's a rookie and he used he's used to being the man so he almost talks too much. Um, but that's just better than so many of the, the quarterbacks we've had, save from Brock Osweiler. Brock Osweiler was an amazing interviewee. He said all the right things and sounded cool, charming, confident while doing so. Drew Locke, thus far, has had the benefit of also performing really well. But I think that he's in a good position because, especially on the offensive side, everyone is young. Mm -hmm. I think Philip Lindsay is thus far the biggest personality, but that's so much just the narrative of him being undrafted hometown dude um, and even just his afro, like... Uh,
1: and no team is led by their running back. Like, no, It's no. like a pretty – there's not a lot of pressure on that position.
0: Not at all. And the other, like, character is Sutton as just like thus far being a near Pro Bowl caliber wide receiver, but he's not th- yet anyway a like the diva wide receiver, which I think the Broncos have always been really good at having team player-wide receivers in a position that can very often become toxic. Uh, So, I mean, and I think also the great thing is that um, Drew Locke and Dalton Reisner, two rookies, were roommates, and Dalton Reisner is a great personality, and he has been doing nothing but bigging up Drew Locke, so I think it really is not just his personality, but the stage is set for him to really step into that role.
1: And sort of the other thing, this is actually at the bottom of the list, but I'm going to move it up is earn the trust of his teammates. And that is something Locke's done immediately. Yeah. Like his teammates really seem to like him. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's a huge part of being the quarterback because we've in this town, we've had all of the situations where no one really trusted the quarterback. Case Keenum, prime example last year. Yeah. Everyone was just sort of going along with it. Um, So mastery of the playbook is the next thing you have to be as a franchise quarterback. That is still to be seen. Mm -hmm. Um, And part of it is because you limit reps with the CBA, he hasn't seen as many looks. Um, And this is where the Buzz Lightyear thing comes in because the reason he's looking at his playbook is he's reminding himself of what the play calls are, which could be interpreted two ways. One, he has not mastered the playbook yet or two he's reminding himself of what the play is so then he doesn't have to think about it once the snap happens which yeah. i'm okay with like completely fine with that
0: yeah um I, this is this is one that it's he just you don't have enough time to fully judge it i think we've now looked at three quarterbacks under Sce- that's still, scangarello that's it scangarello's uh offensive coordinating and the offense hasn't looked good until pretty much last game, which is the first time the Broncos have scored more than twenty five um points in almost two seasons. Yeah. Uh maybe even more. Um so it's it's too early to tell exactly, but it looked like Drew Locke was running the offense the way that we were hoping with this new young offensive coordinator with all these great ideas. Um, but I look at this the same way that beginning of the season, Gardner Minshew was supposed to be that hot new dude. And I think he was benched before most of his jerseys were able to ship out to people. So it's great. This cause there's just not a lot of film on it. So mastery of the playbook is also going to be mastery of reading the defense, which, They're looking at it right now, seeing like, okay, what has Locke done well, um, which is a lot of things. But then you can look at the pick that he threw and where he didn't recognize that the fact the safety was dropping back and totally read the play the whole way. So he's shown a lot more promise than anyone else so far. Yeah but it's going to take him a lot longer before we can say he's got the playbook down and the ability to read the defense.
1: And I mean, he's already miles ahead of where Paxton Lynch ever made it in his oh, seasons yeah. with the Broncos. But yeah, that's one of the things why it's too early because mm-hmm. if he can't master the playbook, it doesn't matter what, how good he is. Well,
0: he, they performed slower. Uh, second half. They came out firing, um, but had that, the second half been indicative of the whole game, the Broncos probably would have lost um, because the adjustments that always happens after the second, at the second half.
1: So sort of on those lines is being able to make good decisions. Mm -hmm. And there are a couple places where that is one, when you've dropped back, where are you throwing it? Which he had the one bad one, but he's made a lot of good decisions. And then before the play, are you able to read what the defense is doing, change things up if you need to, the Peyton Manning-ness of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, Pretty good, other than the one interception. But for a rookie to only have one real big mistake so far, I mean, watching Case Keenum last year, it just turned out that, like, it turned out what we thought we're worried about ended up happening, where he was making a lot of bad decisions. The defense just wasn't catching it. Yeah. So, pretty good about feeling pretty good about that so far. But again, what happens when teams figure him out? Can he still make good decisions? Yeah. Well,
0: I think going into Kansas City in Arrowhead it's going to be the most hostile environment imaginable. And we know that their offense is going to get points. So I think throw any caution to the wind. If he makes mistakes, fine. But I want to see him confident to make that big throw in such an environment, even if it then gets picked off. I'd rather him go out gunslinging than try not to make a mistake in a game that we're there's just no chance the Broncos are going to win anyway. <laughs>
1: Um, being accurate, which we've seen real, I mean, most impressive part about him so far has Mm -hmm. been his arm and his ability to find those windows. Yeah. Um, and then bounce back games, which is the thing we don't know about yet, but like every quarterback has a bad game. Sometimes it really matters how you respond to those bad games.
0: Yeah. Well, that'll be, I think (laughs) the Broncos are going to get their asses whooped in Kansas city. And so then coming back home, uh, for the, the lions, the lions, that'll be a great all right, shake it off, let's see what you do.
1: And the prime example of what not to do is what we've seen in Cleveland so far. Yeah. So I think those are kind of what we need to still see from Drew Locke, and that's why the quarterback position is so hard.
0: It totally is. But I just I like a confident dude who it's – we haven't seen a quarterback have fun here um, in so long. And that's in part personality, but that's also just like – there's been no reason to enjoy yourself. Uh, So I think, yeah, building off of this game, the confidence, you're going to fall back down to earth a little bit. But the dude has been the man for a very long time. And so, like, no one in Missouri burned his car. So No. um,
1: Um, And, I mean, I think their best quarterbacks have all had that in their personality. mm -hmm. Um, You know, Peyton Manning got a taunting penalty. Like, John Elway, very confident. Even Jake Plummer. He felt like he was having fun out there. Yeah, yeah. And real quick, before we end this one, of course, as we were recording this episode, CSU, because they always have to break their news in the middle of us recording this podcast, has hired a head football coach. And it was none of the people that we mentioned at the first of the at the beginning of the episode. It's Steve Adazio. He is the replacement for Mike Bobo. He was an assistant for Meyer at Florida. So that was the Meyer connection and has been a head coach at Temple and Boston College most recently. He was fired by the Eagles, Boston College, if you didn't know, on December 1st after a 6-6 and record. So that'll do it for the Denver's. I'm Derek. I'm Quinn. See ya.